0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you and enjoy. John chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. New King James Version says this, Now Jesus passed And he saw a man who was blind from birth. Say he was blind. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? It's not always a hereditary curse. It's not always generational. And Jesus answered him. I love Jesus was like a boss in answering this. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him, meaning God, who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. And he made clay with the saliva. Somebody say, he spat. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, sent. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. You may have your seats. Thank you so much. Can we give the worship team a hand? They're so precious. When I think of Jesus, there are several different things that I I personally think of. Obviously, I certainly think of the redeeming Son of God who died for the sins of the world. But secondly... Right behind that, I cannot help of thinking of those miracles, the miracles that followed jesus's ministry. I oftentimes wonder what it would like what it would have been like to be a front row sitter like Peter was, and like James and John, and to be able to see the miracles that Jesus did I mean opening the blind eyes, healing the sick, raising the dead I mean. But this particular miracle kind of stood out to me. It's, it's really like unlike any of the other miracles that Jesus did. But there's no doubt that Jesus is a redeemer, say a redeemer. But he's also a miracle worker. If you're going to this church, I don't care if five people get healed a year, we will preach both Jesus, the redeeming God, and the miracle-working God. I should get at least a hand clap or a pat for that one. We will always preach that God is a miracle working God. Yes, he wants to teach you. Yes, he wants to grow you. But Jesus is a miracle worker. And you can't get through many verses of scriptures, much less chapters and not see Jesus being that miracle worker. And I've wrote down a few that he did. Uh, Number one, he turned water into wine. Actually, that was one of his very first miracles. That would make some of you uh, occasional drinkers very, very happy. I almost didn't note that one. I'd like to think it was grape juice, but history tells us it was not. It doesn't say he drank, though. He walked on water. There was a man in the Bible, who was bound to the ground for 38 years, who could not walk. And Jesus lays his hands on this man. And this guy miraculously gets up after Jesus commands him to walk, take up his bed and walk. He calms storms by speaking into them. You couldn't go hungry around Jesus. Thank God for that because I like to eat. I mean, you give him five loaves and two fish, he's feeding multitudes. And for those critics out there who say they were just really big loaves of bread and maybe everybody just took one, you know, I know I have a few of you, maybe, um, what do you call them, engineers out there, overthinkers thinking that each person just took a little piece of bread and a little sip, and that's how he fed the multitudes. Now, I would would believe that is a possibility. However, the Bible wrote a verse of Scripture right on the back of that miracle for those people who think that way, and it goes on to say that there was 12 baskets full left over, so there's no going around that miracle. God, through the life of Jesus Christ, is a miracle-working God. Say he's a miracle-worker. There's this woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years, spent all of her livelihood, all that she had, and the Bible says she only grew worse, but yet Jesus shows up on the scene. She reaches out, touches the hem of his garments, and gets healed. The Bible says from that moment, there was a demon-possessed man on an island, and Jesus didn't get but a few feet from him, and those demons cried out, and by Jesus' words, he commands demons. To flee out of this man and not only one or two demons. The Bible says it was a legion of demons which was comprised of 6,000 demons. Say he's a miracle working God. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody this morning to remind you that no matter what you're facing this morning, we serve a God who's not dead. We serve a God that's alive, he's well, and he still works miracles today. There's a friend of mine, her name is Amanda. She was here last week. She said, we have to remember the works of the Lord, the works of old. And anytime I've ever seen real revivals, it's when a man or a woman stands in the gap and reminds the people of God of the God that we serve. Say he's still a miracle worker. I'm talking about God in the flesh. He wouldn't mess up funerals. I mean, he was going on the street of Nain, and there was a dead body being carried in a casket, and Jesus almost rudely reaches into the casket and touches the boy, and the boy gets raised from the dead. Jesus rolls back, has people roll back stones and screams inside. Of a tomb and says Lazarus come forth and he came out of the grave. But but there is this miracle that I just read. All those other ones I can I can understand. I can I can kind of um I don't know, they're attractive, they're they're amazing, but this specific miracle is unlike any other miracle. This miracle with the blind man has always made me just shudder just a little bit. It would make my wife shudder because she is a, what do we? call them um, a germaphobe. <laughs> this is one of those miracles that is both cool and gross, all at the same time. I mean, people just read over that scripture of Jesus spitting on the ground, mixing some clay up with his finger and putting on this blind man's eyes as if being blind wasn't bad enough. And so, so I want to park here at this scripture, and I I often, as I park here at this scripture, I oftentimes wondered when I read this, if this guy could see what Jesus was doing, if he would have stopped Jesus in his track. I mean, I wonder if if Jesus was hawking for a second, and this guy is blind, and he's like, wait, what are you doing? What, What are you about to do now? I mean, Jesus was known for doing some Pretty extraordinary things. And and I oftentimes think about that as I have looked over my life over the several years I've been serving the Lord. I get a chance, I get the amazing opportunity to minister to people. And I always hear people say these famous words, but why does God have to use that? So today I want to quickly minister a message and I pray that it cuts to the deepest parts of your soul. And it's called. Do you have to use that? Come on, somebody say, do you have to use that? Yeah. <laughs> and this is the reason why so many people miss God's blessings in their lives. is because they don't understand the tools that he's using to get the miracle done in their lives. We all love the miracle working power of God, but there's, oftentimes we do not like the tools that he's using in our lives to get the job done. Look at somebody in this morning, if there's somebody next to you, and let them know that God's at work. God is using this cool yet gross thing in your life, this difficult thing, this marriage, this, come on, let me preach, this sickness or this disease, this pain, this uncomfortable situation, this boss this ministry, this whatever, this gnawing thing this morning is in your life. And God is one of those kind of gods who uses unexpected things to bring about the very miracle that you're wanting him to bring about in your life. And he is a God who's known for doing not only extraordinary things, but using very abstract things. Just to name a few, I, I mentioned the five loaves and two fish. Jesus, I mean, think about using five loaves and two fish to feed a multitude. That's pretty abstract. And you know what I think it is, is because God wants to prove himself that he can get more done with his little than you can in all of your lifetime trying to accomplish a miracle yourself. So he can use spit. He can use clay. He can use, he told Peter to go fishing. Jesus was trying to get something paid off so he can enter into the temple and he needed, he needed temple tax. And you know what he tells Peter to go do? I mean, why couldn't you guys just go work for the day on the corner and get some cash so you can have some temple money? But here's what Jesus does. He's abstract. Everybody say he's abstract. He tells Peter, go fishing. You need me to go get money, but you want me to go go fishing. He tells Peter to go fishing, and here's what he says, and I quote, the first fish that you pull up, pull him up, you're going to find money in his mouth. Peter goes down to the lake or the Sea of Galilee, drops his line in the water. Who knows what bait he used? He pulls them up. He pulls money out of the fish's mouth. Jesus has money to get them both into the temple. He used, he used winds to push the disciples where they needed to go while they were on the Sea of Galilee. Yes, it was a storm. Yes, it was something abstract. It wasn't what they wanted to be used. How do I know that? Because they were afraid. Say they were afraid. But Jesus uses Money he in weird places he uses difficult winds to push you into the direction that he wants you to go and he can use whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now even if it's a child that you know is sick you don't understand if it's if it's a marriage problem if it's if it's sickness it could be just whatever difficulty whatever gnawing difficulty that keeps you up at night God is using that thing he can use adoption in your life to grow you and form you to accomplish his He can use addiction. Come on, who am I preaching to? He can use a difficult job. He could use your difficult school. He can use your insecurities. He can use separation. He can use ostracism. He can use rejection and all different types of things. Unfair circumstances. Come on, anybody have a few of those? He can use those things like spit and clay in your life to bring about the miracle that you're believing for. And here's how you know something is from God. Can I make it easy on you? Is does that difficulty bring you to your knees and draw you to him, or does it push you away? Does the sickness draw you to him? Does the difficult situation, listen, you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly one day? He said, I will never, and I was praying for a pain relieved life. I said, Lord, I've been through so much as a kid. I don't want to keep going through things. Nobody likes pain. Who likes pain? Nobody wants a toothache. Nobody wants to go through a divorce. Nobody wants hurt joints and, you know, sickness in their body. Nobody wants to go through pain. But he told me, he said, I will never create a life for you whereby you don't need me. Yeah, I know that doesn't preach and doesn't sit very well with most Christians anymore. But God doesn't create a life whereby you don't don't pursue him any longer. So here's the big question. Does that blessing, that so-called blessing that's from heaven, push you away from God? There was a man of God who told me the other day. he He said, God has been blessing me. I said, yeah, I haven't seen you at church. And he said, yeah, but God is always on my mind. I immediately thought, I hope he's not listening. That's not a blessing from the Lord. And, and there's another, I heard somebody quote it one time, if Satan cannot corrupt you, he will crown you. He will bless you so well that you forget about God, that you don't give God your first like Dean was talking about. And so, 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 so the trick is not to allow your circumstances to push you away from him. The trick is allowing whatever spit and clay that the Lord's using in your life right now to bring you to him instead of pushing you away from him. And most people get grossed out by what God's doing. No, I'm not talking about shuddering and being a gerbophobe like my wife, but I am talking about risk, resisting, resisting what God is trying to use in your life that doesn't look like what he would use. But all throughout scripture, God is using abstract things. He's using difficult things. He's using things that, if he, because if he did it our way, on our timing we would say it only ended up this way because of this. Because our minds have a way of thinking God didn't really do that. You ever been blessed with something, you've been believing for something, and then it came to pass, and then your mind comes back and says, you know that wasn't God, right? Oh, I'm the only one who's been a pessimist towards God? There's been times in our life where you were, listen, where you were wanting to pay a bill, and the money came through somehow supernaturally, and for about five minutes you praise God, and then a week later you start thinking about it, and you go, like, that really wasn't the Lord. Well, here's the reason the Lord uses abstract things, things that are abnormal, is because when he brings the miracle to pass, you cannot give circumstances credit. You cannot give other things credit more than him. And so one of my first points is, it's okay to question how God does it, but don't resist him. Question, don't You can question Jesus, but don't resist him. Look at somebody and say, stay still. And that's exactly what happened with the man who was getting the miracle. Imagine if he would have resisted, if he would have resisted what God was doing, the weird thing that Jesus was doing. He would would have missed out on the blessing that God wanted to bring about in his life. He had to let the dirt do the work. God, Jesus, God, Jesus, Jesus, God, he took that dirt he took the spit and he mixed it up. And right now you're trying to wipe off that, God is, that something that God is trying to put on. Oh, that'll preach right there. You're trying to get off of you the very thing that's gonna bring the miracle to pass. Imagine if this guy would have wiped it off of his eyes and not obeyed Jesus to go to the pool called Siloam. He would have wiped his blessing off. And while you're sitting there binding and loosing and asking God to set you free from it, let the dirt do its work. Let what God is doing in your life do its work so that the miracle can come to pass. When Jesus was in the garden. Yes, that. When Jesus was in the garden, he said these famous words, and there are times in my life I feel this way, and you will at one point feel this way if you don't feel this way now. At some point, because the Bible says that we're all supposed to take up our crosses daily and follow him. There is no life for any believer that's made without a cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is no crossless Christianity. Every believer at some point will have to carry a cross. And sometimes the cross is heavy, sometimes it's a burden, sometimes it's hardship, pain, trial. It comes in many different forms, but I'm reminded of when Jesus was in the garden. And he said these famous words. Let this cup pass from me. Put the title back on the screen. This is really what Jesus said. Do you have to use that? Do you have to use the crushing? Do you have to use that difficult situation to bring about the miracle Jesus knew he knew why he was he knew why he was going to go to the cross he understood but even Jesus didn't necessarily agree with God's methodology at that moment if he had for some of you who are theological and want to question me he would have never asked him to let the cup pass he too wanted to bypass the process, because, just because you want to get out of what you're in right now doesn't make you disobedient. By trying to get out too early makes you disobedient. And by living our lives and, and saying things, it's not—it's not bad to question God to say, "Hey, let this cup pass." I may not agree with you, but but what but what brings the miracle to pass is submitting to whatever it is that God is allowing you to go through in this moment of your life. Listen, if you've bound it and if you've loosed it and you have just confessed your sins and it still lingers and it still still gnaws at you, look at it as Jesus is allowing me to bear my own cross in life, and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be obedient and. I'm going to grow in this. Come on. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to die in this. Come on. And you have to remind yourself constantly that there is blessing on the other side of this. I believe that Jesus was able to go through this because he not only seen the cross in front of him, certainly he's seen that, but he's seen Sunday morning. And that's what you have to remind yourself of, that this dirt, this clay that the Lord is using on my eyes, I mean, I'm already in a nasty situation. I can't, I can't see I'm blind and Jesus, you're making it worse by putting clay and spit on my eyes. But listen. You have to keep in mind that there was a miracle on the other side of your pain. There's a miracle on the other side of your obedience. There's a miracle on the other side of this difficult thing that you're facing in this moment in your life. You don't have to agree with God's process, His methodology. But if you want the fullness of the blessing, you have to surrender and say what Jesus said. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That's what he said. Let this cup pass from me. And the Lord didn't answer him. Isn't it funny how sometimes you ask God, and he always talked to God and God answered him. You know that, don't you? Jesus would talk to his father. He would get answers. He's seen his father do a lot of things. How do I know that? He said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it first. So he would get answers from the father. He would go to the mountain. He would pray. But he prayed in this garden, but the Bible doesn't record that God ever gave an answer. Sometimes God, when God doesn't answer us in the more, most important questions that we have, you just have to stay still and know that he is God. Isn't it funny how he'll answer for little things? Lord, I need you to pay this bill, but you're, you've got this gnawing problem over here, and God answers this quickly and speedily. He's, the, he's God's speed then, but then when you're praying for the things that are most important in your life, it seems like he's not moving. It seems like he's not changing it. It seems like he's not saying anything, and God has gone on vacation in Mexico. Oh, come on. You guys all have gone through that, haven't you? But let me tell you something. He is at work, and when he allows it, it's because of his sovereign grace that he's keeping you there because he's positioning you for something great. Hallelujah. I wish somebody, two or three people, would believe that with me this morning. We oftentimes pray, God, give me this breakthrough, but don't break me. Sometimes in order to get the breakthrough, the breaking has to happen. The strength of steel is tested and pushed to the limits based on the weight it can bear. The Lord, that's how he does our lives. He he pushes us. He allows us to go to our limits because his strength is made perfect in weakness. You ever realize that as you walk with the Lord, you're always being pushed to your limits? You're always being pushed to your breaking point? It's because God wants to grow us and once you do have those little small mountaintop experience, there you go back down into the valley like we talked about next Sunday next to your next breaking point and the Lord, that's because the Lord always wants to, he gives us little rest but lots of opportunities to grow. (laughs) Did you know that? He gives us little breaks but lots of opportunities to grow in our faith and in our trust in him. Amen. I heard a quote from, Jensen Franklin, he said, you cannot have the crown without drinking the cup. You cannot have the crown without drinking. What was the cup? The cup of suffering. The cup of pain. The cup of hardship. And you have to choose today your miracle or your dignity. Your miracle or your dignity. Look at somebody and say, what are you going to choose Come on, if nobody's beside you, look behind you and say, what are you going to choose? Can you imagine as if this guy, was his dignity wasn't already robbed? I mean, he was blind. Most blind men in that context in those days, they were beggars. Say beggars. And so as if his dignity wasn't put on the back burner enough, Jesus spits on the ground and rubs it together, makes clay, and puts it on his eyes. But the man chose the miracle over his dignity. And some people, you know what's so sad to me, how many Christians I get to deal with, is they literally walk away from the Lord because they don't care for what he's using in their life. They're like, I love Jesus, but I, don't, I can't handle the spit in the clay. I, I, can, I can handle, if he, if he wants to wave a wand over me and change my situation, if he wants to mail the check, but I'm not going to go through the process or the pain to be able to get the miracle that I'm believing for, for. I love God, but I don't like his methods. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good this morning. Most people love God, and they don't walk, they don't walk away from him because he's not good. They walk away from him because of his methodologies because of the ways that he uses things in our lives to develop us and to grow us. So so I love to underline that many walk away from God not because they do not like him, but it's because they don't like what he uses. Don't walk away from him. Do not resist what he's using. In your life this morning, and I just believe that this morning, as I was studying and I was putting this together, there are some people in this room that are in such a frustrating season that are ready to throw in the towel, God, I don't like this. I don't like where I'm at in life. You're not moving. I'm praying and I'm seeking you. I can, I can handle you just delivering me in a moment, but I cannot handle the spit and the clay that you're using in my life to bring about the miracle. Look at somebody and say, hold on. Look at somebody else and say, hold on fast. And that's that's the thing. We 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 love the miracles, but we don't like how we like what he uses to bring it to pass. I wrote this, we fast, we seek, we pray, we plead for the miracle. However, as soon as Jesus starts mixing the clay and the saliva, we push his hand away. You ever pray for a miracle and things get worse? That's how you know you're on to something. When you pray, when you're an intercessor, I was reading something from Leonard Ravenhill two nights ago. He said, The man or woman of prayer must be a man or woman of steel. You have to be a person of steel. Why? Because the enemy will do everything he can to frustrate you, to get you to break. And that's how you know when things start getting worse, you're getting close. When, thing, when you start, listen, listen. If you if your life is not being attacked in one way, shape, or form, I, I lovingly say this. And you may be a Christian, you may be a believer, but you're not doing much for the kingdom. I lovingly say that. When you are doing something for the kingdom, when you are close to a miracle, that's because hell is on your heels and the enemy doesn't want you to get over the finish line. He doesn't want you to receive your miracle. He'll use use anything that he possibly can to get you to stop short of the glory of God. He'll do anything that he can to whisper in your ear, that spit in that clay is not gonna work. Wash it off, wipe it off, You don't need to go to the pool of Siloam like Jesus commanded. Jesus wouldn't do this. Oh, that's how the enemy talks. The Lord's not using this. Oh, just look straight ahead. He's not using this in my life. He wouldn't use this pain. He wouldn't use this suffering. He wouldn't use this spouse. He wouldn't use these children. He wouldn't use this boss. And all the while, you're wiping your miracle away. Because you know where the miracle is? The miracle is in the character he's trying to develop in you in the waiting. <laughs> because once he blesses you, he wants you to have the the sustained character to be able to handle the blessing. So the, 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 the difficulty, the hardship, the pain, the clay and the saliva builds Christ-like character in you so that you won't lose the blessing. Do you know what the enemy doesn't even mind? He doesn't even mind if you get the miracle, as long as he can take it away from you. And if you do not have the character of Christ on the ins- down on the inside of you, if you don't allow what the Lord uses in your life to, to, to develop that Christ-like character, although the, the Lord will bless you, The enemy looks for reasons, legal ground to take it away because he's a legalist. He looks for a reason to take that. Oh, she sinned. Oh, she did this. Oh, she didn't tithe. Do you know your accuser goes before the brethren in the heavenlies? And he's called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses your faults before the courts of the Lord to rob you of what God has blessed you with. Allow the spit and the clay, the dirty things, the things that you're resisting, to to develop Christ-like character in your life so that the blessing is sustainable in your life. Amen? Do you remember the young rich ruler? This is the complete opposite story. So So this young rich ruler, I love what the scripture says. He ran to Jesus. He was excited about getting to Jesus. He had to get to him. He knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. He knew that Jesus had the answer. And it says he ran, and I, I'm a, I'm a, I study, so I'm, I'm looking at these little key phrase words. He ran, which means he was passionate. He had to get to Jesus. He was desperate. Say he was desperate. And it says he bowed down and worshiped him. And then he said, What must I do to be saved? So he goes through all of these formats to make it look like he was really passionate about Jesus. And then he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. Honor your father and mother. You know, all the commandments. And, and, and the young rich ruler replies by saying, all these I've kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, he loved him. And he said, one thing you still lack. Jesus went for the spit and the clay. He said... Go sell all your possessions and follow me. And the young rich ruler goes away sorrowful. He dusted off his worship-filled knees, wiped away his worship-filled eyes, his tears, and walked away from Jesus. Why? Because he didn't like what God wanted to use to bring about the miracle. And and I wonder if for the rest of this man's life, he wondered What if I wouldn't have wiped off the dirt and the clay? Now, I know he wasn't the man who had the dirt and the clay in his eyes, but it's uh, metaphorically speaking. He didn't want to go through the process. He didn't want God to use that specific process on him. He wanted an easier way. We all want an easier way. We all want a way out. We all want a way that's not so dirty. We all want a way that's a little bit easier. Amen? Amen? Lastly, and I'd like you to stand to your feet. Always remember this. That things get messy before the miracle. Things get messy before the miracle. L- listen, I'm going to read it again. It says, when he has said these things in John 9, when he has said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay, with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he washed, and then he came back seeing. You know what I noticed? A lot of people get excited about this scripture because it is an amazing scripture. Very cool, but gross. He didn't get healed right away. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned before, it got messier before it got better. And sometimes things get messier. Sometimes when you pray, it seems like it's getting worse, like I was talking about a few minutes ago. Sometimes things will get messier before they get better. I thought to myself, this guy was already blind. It's almost as if he was in... I mean, you could have splashed water on his eyes and he could have opened his eyes immediately. But then Jesus proceeds to make it even more difficult on him. He puts clay on his eyes and then he tells this man to go find the place called Siloam. I mean, he was blind. Enough. I mean, you know, clay. Clay hardens, I mean, like, like a rock. So, so it's almost as if... Jesus made things worse seemingly. Doesn't it seem like that at times? We pursue God and things start getting a little bit worse. Remind yourself he's using the clay, the spit. And then now I've got to go find the place where my miracle lie. You would think that because of this man because just because he just had an encounter with Jesus that things were going to change right away Jesus laid his hands on him but things didn't change instantaneously we do not serve of God that always does things instantaneously sometimes healing is progressive sometimes the miracle is just allowing you to get through the day Sometimes the miracle is he allowed you to, you know, get a B on the test instead of an F, Paula. Sometimes the miracle is just day by day. And I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I love how Jesus seemingly allowed things to get a little tougher before they got better. And then he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. How am I going to get there? And the Lord this morning lovingly dropped this in my heart. It's so simple. Because when I'm mixing the clay, I'm mixing the saliva, and I'm seemingly allowing things to get worse, just remember your miracle is coming. The Lord said to me, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith. And not by sight. You know what the Bible says? The just shall walk by faith. Just means holy, Separ- se- uh, set apart. So, whatever it is that you're facing this morning, you don't have to see your miracle right away. Maybe you've got clay all on your eyes and you can't see. Isn't it amazing? The other day we had something extraordinary happen in the sanctuary. Everybody just had about left, and we had some angels show up in the room. We've had some things that have just been happening, haven't we? And yet sometimes things seem to be getting worse at times. That's God just mixing in his formula, about to work a miracle. That's what he's doing in your life this morning. He's mixing up a miracle for you. He's using that thing to bring about his blessings to open doors, to touch you, to heal you, to set you free. There's so many people I could, and I won't, but I'm thinking about you right even in this moment. You're facing something that you're like, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this sickness. I don't understand this pickle that you have me in. All the while, it's as if I see the hand of God in your life and you being that blind man. You can't see your way out of this. You can't see how God's going to fix it. You can't even see the next level. You're afraid of this surgery. The difficulty of the school, the sickness of my kid, the cancer in my body, the difficulty in my marriage. I, I can't see it, Lord. I can't see my way out of this. My knees are hurting. All the while, I see the hand of God over your life. And here's the word of the Lord this morning. Just keep walking by faith. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.